We'd like to welcome everyone to our latest episode of Private Equity in Your Industry. Today, we'll be focusing on the chemicals industry. I'm Glenn Mincy, KPMG's Global and U.S. Head of Private Equity, and I'm pleased to be joined by Jillian Morris, Richard Metzner, and Michael Harling. Jillian advises chemical companies, whether PE-backed or publicly and privately held within KPMG's Deal Advisory and Strategy Group. Richard advises PE and corporate clients on value creation, both inside and outside a deal setting within our energy, natural resources, and chemical sectors. And Michael is our deal advisory energy sector leader. He advises clients in the oil and power and chemical sectors. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you could join us. Chemicals industry has emerged from the pandemic in a strong position as one of the few industries leading the post-COVID recovery. I'd say year-to-date, PE has invested over $10 billion in specialty chemicals alone. Jillian, it's clear that PE funds own a significant percentage of the industry, and they generally have a pretty good track record in turning these companies around. What are you observing in terms of the industry overall, and what would you say stands out when you look at some of the trends you see with respect to PE activity within the sector? Well, Glenn, um, as you as you mentioned, the chemical industry has led COVID recovery. Um, that's actually been the case in the last three downturns. Um, and there's strong expected cash flows, especially in specialty chemicals, and that's driving buy-side activity. Um, what we're seeing is corporates continue to divest non-core businesses. that They might even be manufacturing plants. And those really represent really good investment opportunities for, uh, for private equity. There's uh, plenty of performance transformation um, opportunities for them and also bolt-ons as well. Um, 2020, for many corporates, actually, was a year of reckoning, and they continue to look very critically at their portfolios. Uh, so I expect uh, divestitures to continue. Um, just a quick comment on specialty chemical companies. You mentioned it earlier. Um, historically, they've been outperforming other chemical players by showcasing extensive growth in share prices and depicting higher valuation multiples, and that's making them very attractive targets across the board. Looking forward, uh, global chemicals M&A activity continues to remain very strong, um, with chemical deals surging in um, the second half of 2020 and the first half of this year. And we expect that to continue through quarter for 2022. So it's going to maintain and be extremely robust environment for private equities and, and, and also corporates as well. And that's really pushing the competition. Richard, recognizing the competition isn't a PE alone issue. Can you share some of your observations based on the buy and sell side processes that we've advised on over the last year? I mean, how competitive has it really become? So sellers are facing a highly competitive bid process for any chemical and specialty chemical asset. We're finding that sellers must have high-quality sell-side reports and well-populated data rooms so that buyers can test their investment thesis quickly and efficiently, otherwise bidders are passing and moving on to other deals. And Gillian, back to you, what are some of the constraints that you're seeing? Well, for some of the smaller corporate carve-outs, sellers, quite frankly, um, because they have... Um, uh, constrained resources. They just want to have a clean break and are not offering TSAs, um, which is which is very complicated, right? So instead, uh, they're offering a transition period, which really puts the onus on the buyer to stand the business up without the typical TSA support mechanisms and timing. So again, haven't really seen this um, uh, previously and, and also prior to COVID. This is something relatively new. It's becoming quite common. And it means that, again, um, to, to Richard's point, um, you know, 
uh, the, the 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 buyers need to really make sure they understand what they're buying and they need to um they they need to really ramp up um on resources for that transition period to make sure that uh, that once they get the once they get the asset um it's it, it's operating uh, from day one I think sellers are also looking to minimize selling costs. Um, again, we, we and, and Rich is going to touch on this in a minute, we are seeing a lot of constrained resources. They're producing very light data books, um, often with very limited carve-out details, very heavily assumption-driven um, because fewer people are sort of under the tent in the seller organization. So this is causing a lot of additional work on the buyer's behalf. And often the data being requested has actually not even been by, prepared by the seller in, in advance. So there's a lot of, um, there's, you know, in many cases, we're seeing a very heavy lift um, that buyers have to do um, uh, with, the, with the process. Yeah, and I don't see any end in sight to that, the, uh, the restraint on resources. Richard, yep. uh, similar, similar question to you. Yeah, you're right, Glenn. I mean, the biggest constraint we're seeing is on people and, and capacity. You know, our clients across the big four, specialty diligence houses and, and even investment banks, um, we, 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 we hear and we see in the market are running at capacity. Um, we're, we're, you know, we're starting to see some of these investment bank-led diligences, you know, running slower than historically due to their capacity constraints, team member exits, that war for talent, you know, given constraints on teams within advisory firms, we're seeing lighter and or less experienced teams working out of their major industry sector. And that's driving quality issues within some of the sell side reports we're seeing. You know, materials are not tying to the underlying data provided. And we're also seeing that some teams don't necessarily understand some of the nuances of, of the chemical, the and specialty chems industries, which are important to convey in, in these transactions. And then, Mike, what are some of the filing challenges you're seeing, particularly as they relate to cross-border and public filings? Yeah, Glenn, I think probably the most predominant thing I see is when foreign entities, especially foreign private entities or sellers, dealing with U.S. publics. A lot of the, especially the foreign private entities, are not, not as familiar with uh, SEC reporting requirements in the U.S. and oftentimes don't have the financial data or the necessary assurances or audits in place to facilitate the transaction. So while a public entity might be needing to file a proxy to facilitate a vote or to raise equity capital, they'll have to produce financial information of the target. And this, uh, this is often an issue that delays transactions. And frankly, you can see it the other way too. I mean, a lot of the private entities need similar financial information to raise capital. And so it really goes both ways. And I think the, the impact here is delayed deals and and the, the, probably the, the learning here is to, to try to be as, as informed about your potential buyer as possible so that you can prepare yourself to close once you have a deal in principle. Thanks, Mike. So in total, intense competition for assets, significant buy-side activity for private equity, a resulting constraint on resources all around, and a robust acquisition pace so far with little sign of things slowing down anytime soon. I do want to thank Jillian, Richard, and Mike for their insightful comments today. And this concludes our episode of Private Equity in Your Industry. Thank you all for listening and be sure to subscribe to be notified for future episodes in our series.